Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, fellow skeptics? 2022. Congratulations. If you're listening to this, you have made it to The Christian Skeptic Season 3. <laughs> no, but uh, for real, I'm excited to be talking with you guys. I'm excited to continue our conversation this year. I've got some cool ideas for some topics and even some more guests that I'm going to bring on the show that hopefully will interest you guys. If it doesn't, let me know, though. As usual, feel free to write into the show, and let me look at my own email address so I can get this right. Do you guys ever have that, where that happens, where you go to send someone your email address or say it, and then you're like, oh shoot, I totally forgot what that was. But anyway, <laughs> I just had one of those moments. Write in the show at christianskepticshow at gmail.com. Once again, the email is christianskepticshow, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, though I am not on those as frequently. If you send an email, I get a notification, and I will respond to that within probably a day or two. Uh, Some of you guys, man, some of you guys have been asking some good questions and pouring out your stories on messages and email. And let me just tell you that I, I don't know if I can properly communicate how valuable I think that is. The conversations I've been able to have with some of you even just over the past couple months, uh, have been truly, truly wonderful. And so on that note, let's get into the topic of today's show. Now, something that I've noticed over the past two years of doing this show is that one topic in particular has kind of stuck out as the most popular topic. And I noticed that through a couple different avenues. Number one, I log on rarely, but I do log on to see my statistics and to see how many people are listening, what state, what country, you know, where you're coming from in the world that you're listening, and what episode you're listening to. Again, I don't do that often. I'm not like waiting around, checking my numbers, hoping for <laughs> whatever. But all that to say, the episodes, the two episodes, part one, part two that I did in 2020 on Christians and homosexuality are still the most popular episodes that I have done. And the other way I know that is through some of the questions I get in on those episodes. And as you all know, it's been my philosophy that this is a conversation that we're having, right? This this isn't intended just to be a podcast that you sit and get lectured to. That's not my intent at all, and I hope I never come across that way. And if I do, please give me some feedback. Let me know. But this is a conversation, a, a back and forth, a give and take. And you guys have given me a lot to think about on this topic in the past two years. So I thought, let's reopen it. Let's continue the conversation. And welcome to Christians and Homosexuality Part 3. And so in preparation for this episode, I revisited some talks and some videos and podcasts and what have you on the subject. And I also did something that I've really never done, which is I went back and listened to my old episodes. And I thought it was going to be a little weird. You know, like when you go look through your old high school yearbook and you see that photo and you're like, wow, cringe. Maybe you were more attractive in high school. I don't know. That was my reaction. But (laughs) I thought going back and listening to my old episodes was going to be like, wow, cringe. (laughs) And uh, it turns out it wasn't, so that's good. And I think that's worth addressing. I'm not just trying to say this to brag about myself, because I don't think this is a brag at all, but it's worth addressing, right? That 
if you go back and listen to the first two episodes on Christians and homosexuality, I don't think my view has changed. As a matter of fact, I know it hasn't. And so we'll throw these first principles right on the table as to get them out of the way and proceed with today's conversation. So the first principles then of my argument is, when you read the Bible, homosexuality is clearly a sin in the Bible. Homosexuality is not the only sin. Heterosexuality is not synonymous with perfection. As a matter of fact, someone's sexual orientation doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you go to heaven or hell. It's actually someone's pride that has something to do with whether or not you, you go to heaven or hell. That hell, statistically speaking, will be full of more heterosexuals than homosexuals. Just on pure statistics, right? Because statistically there are more heterosexual people in the world than there are homosexual people in the world. And that's just, that's a statistic. So <laughs> correlation is hell will have more heterosexual people in it than homosexual people in it. Sin is dealt with at the cross and not in the bedroom, period. Now that being said, let's talk about something, something that I think is the glaring issue in all of this. And it's frustrating to me. It's wildly frustrating to me. And it's frustrating because of some of the conversations I've had with some of you. And when you write in, man, if, if you write into the show and I'm reading your email or I'm reading your message, I want you to know that it touches my heart. It touches who I am on a very deep level. And I care about you. And I do pause and pray for you. I truly do. Every single one of you that write in. And so I mean this when I say it. Look, if, if Satan is the dragon of revelation, culture is the dragon of now, right? If Satan is the dragon that tries to swallow up the virgin and her son in revelation, right? Israel and her Messiah in revelation, then culture is the dragon that tries to swallow up each and every single one of us right now. And pardon my French here, but we are so damn obsessed with sex, right? Like, can we just acknowledge that? Like so much of everything in culture is about sex, and I hate what culture does to the homosexual community. Because if you have homosexual desires, what does culture say to you? It says you are gay, right? If, if you have heterosexual desires, you are fill in the blank. You know, it might be your career. It might be some other socio-ecological status. But culture says you are gay. You are bi. You are trans. You are queer. You are fill in the blank. You are not. Your identity is so much more than that. And man, I, I just, if there's anything you take away from today's episode, please see that. Your identity is complex, sometimes creative, sometimes very thought out, sometimes beautiful, and should never be boiled down to your sexual orientation or your sexual preferences. Sin or not, whether you agree with me or not, whether you ever want to be a Christian or not, you're more than that. And, and you know that. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you something new. But why that's the language we use just baffles me, you know? Because here's the thing. That's an identity statement. And, and we should get this out of the way too, right? That most of these desires come about in those identity forming years and times in our lives. And I'm not saying all. There are definitely people that realize they have a certain sexual orientation later on in life or feel like they are a different whatever, fill in the blank from what they previously have known. And, and, and there is a good amount of people that do that, say in their late 40s, 50s, whatever. But for a lot of us, these ideals of attraction and preference and all of this stuff is really formed in our pubescent preteen and teen years, right? And for a lot of us, if we explore any ounce or notion of creativity, what we are living with is 
a transformation of identity and personality, but a transformation that should never stop, right? And, and, and that's the plight of the creative mind or the mind that attempts to be creative in any way, shape, or form is that creativity is always transforming. And part of your personality, part of your identity goes into what you create. And so if what you create is always transforming, it must by its very nature. You don't paint the same thing every time. You don't write the same song every time. You don't construct the same poem or write the same essay or book every single time. It's different. It's new. You're always thinking up new ideas and ways to put them together and, and express them. And so it's transformative because it itself undergoes transformations. But part of that is you have to put your identity and your personality inside of that. And so your identity and your personality should always be transforming. And it could be that this is what causes some of our identity crises and identity shifts in general. It could be what causes desires to change in general. Because that's a fact too, right? Like your desires have changed in the past five years. And five years from now, you'll desire things completely different than what you desire now. But my point in all this is, is that you can at least be the summation of all your transformations and all your personality and all your creativity and all your thoughts and your actions. And that can construct your identity. And that's, that's a heck of a lot better of an identity than constructing it just on sexual orientation. And sexual orientation may be a piece of that. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying don't make that your entire identity and don't let anyone tell you that's your entire identity, that you need to fit into something. You don't. What's wrong with an outsider? <laughs> Which consequently is one of my favorite novels ever, The Outsiders by S.E. Hilton. And I haven't read this book in a while, so forgive me if I'm misquoting this, but I, there's this quote where Ponyboy is uh, with the girl he has a crush on, I forget her name, and they're in her Corvette and they're talking as the sun is setting. And I forget if it's him or if it's her, but one of them says, isn't it funny how the sunset looks the same on your side of town as it does on my side of town? And it's such, it's such a fantastic and beautiful quote, right? Because it says, man, we're all, in, in some sense, we're all outsiders, but in some sense, none of us are outsiders. And don't miss this point, because this is just fundamental to being in the church in general, because I know if you have homosexual desires and you're in the church, you feel like the most furthest out outsider possible. But do know all of us in the church are outsiders and all of us in the church belong there. And so now that we've gotten that out of the way, well, that then begs the question, okay, well, I want to be Christian. I want to believe in Jesus. I have homosexual desires. Fine. I just won't identify as homosexual. Does that mean I can still be Christian, love Jesus, and practice homosexuality? Well, and as we've discussed in part one and part two, unfortunately, the answer is no. And I say that with a slight bit of melancholy, but not too much melancholy. Like, I'm not empathetic towards that. <laughs> and let me, let me define what I mean here, right? Because if I was empathetic, I would actually be entirely useless to you. I say it with a compassionate sigh, meaning I don't feel your pain, right? Because if you're empathetic, you have to feel other people's pain. And that's a terrible place to be because you'll always villainize someone, right? If you're empathetic to liberals, you'll hate conservatives. If you're empathetic to conservatives, you'll hate liberals, right? And oh, isn't that so like Jesus? Absolutely not. The Bible says Jesus was never empathetic. It says Jesus was compassionate. And compassion is the arch twin of empathy, right? If Empathy might be the evil twin of compassion. Then is a better way to look at it. Because empathy says, I can feel how you feel. I can put myself in your shoes. Compassion says I don't need to, right? Empathy says, I'm going to help you out, 
by relating to you emotionally and just emotionally. Compassion says, my emotions are affected because of what you're going through or how you're hurt, but I can help you out logically. So empathy tries to take away all pain. Compassion says, let me know if I can take away unnecessary pain. But some pain is necessary because some pain helps you grow. Some pain helps you transform. So know that I approach this topic compassionately. But we have to take it back to the idea of identity. You are not simply your sexual orientation. You're not simply your sexual preferences or your attractions or whatever. You are a culmination, a multitude of everything that makes you you, everything that makes you tick. You are a creative, thought-out, experiential, conscientious, fearfully, wonderfully made, beautiful being. That's true of everyone, with great potential for good and great potential for evil. But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids him come and die. And so that means ultimately what our personalities, what our identities need isn't a transformation, but a resurrection. <laughs> but that can only happen through a crucifixion, right? And now you're seeing the gospel come out in this, right? But, but that is the gospel. Jesus lays down his life for us so that we could receive the grace of having our sins forgiven and entering into life abundant and life eternal through him raising from the dead. And what does he ask in return? He asks, go and sin no more in return. Ooh, man, that's a tall order, right? It is. And it's so much more, I want you to feel the weight of this. It's so much more heavy and so much more complex than just obey the Ten Commandments, right? It's, it's so much more, oh man, like if, if we actually understood what that meant, uh, it, it should take our breath away to understand what it means to, to do that, to go and sin no more. It means to die. It means everything that makes you you, everything that gives you identity, kill it. <laughs> I was just having a conversation with my friend, Brandon. You might remember him from the show, actually. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Love that guy. And we were talking about religious beliefs, and he had said something about religious beliefs making people comfortable. Christianity should make you uncomfortable. It should be the most uncomfortable thing <laughs> about you. And, and, and I'm laughing now, too, because it should also be the greatest comedy, right? Because uh, life, <laughs> let's be real, life is a tragedy. Your identity, say say you're completely offended at everything I'm saying right now, and you said, absolutely not. F you, Christian skeptic, I won't go kill my identity. Well, your identity is going to get killed anyway, right? Sure, you can paint some stuff, you can write some songs, you can, you know, do some work, you can engineer things, you can contribute to society, but eventually it will forget you. That's what Leo Tolstoy, <laughs> I was thinking about when he wrote his memoirs, right? The great Leo Tolstoy, War and Peace, right? He says, there's going to come a day where I won't exist anymore to humans. No one will remember me, my works, anything. And the same is true for us. Ultimately, life's a tragedy. And then in steps Christianity and says, hey, no, life's a comedy, actually. <laughs> right? Because it's so, it's so upside, freaking down and backwards. Number one, the gospel is, right, that, that God created these peasant-like beings prone to slavery, to sin, and sometimes even real slavery. Like, God help us. <laughs> God creates these peasant slave beings, right? And that, that's our worth. He doesn't create us to be peasant slaves. He creates us to be kings and queens, right? Princess and, 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 and princesses. And we choose a life of slavery and peasanthood. And not only that, we stick, we stick the middle finger up to God and we say, 
screw you. I'm going to go eat of the tree. I'm going to dance with the devil. And I don't want you to know me anymore, right? That's what Adam and Eve said when they said, I, we're, we're naked. They covered their their vulnerable parts. They covered their shame. And they said, God, I don't want you to see any part of me anymore, right? And we've essentially all done that. And still, the king dies for the peasants. The king dies for the sinners. That's the ultimate upside-down comedy. <laughs> but, but then on top of that, like, like <laughs> but wait, there's more. It also says every single thing you are, everything you count for gain, as Paul said in Philippians, once you meet Christ, you have to count it for loss. Kill it. Kill your identity. Everything. I, I don't care if it's relationship. If you're heterosexual and, and you're your number one goal, your number one desire, the thing you dream and hope for the most is to get married and have a family and have that wonderful life. God says, kill that. In essence, he does. He says, your number one goal in life is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you're not humble enough to take up that goal, you're not worthy of any of it else. That's not comforting. That should not be comforting. But if it's true, man, uh, if it's true, what are we going to do with it? Because religious beliefs aren't about comfort. They're about figuring out what's true and how the world works. And where do you fit? And how do you figure it out? Just because something's harsh doesn't mean it's not true. And just because something's harsh doesn't mean it's not worth investigating. And <laughs> at least trying out, right? Like, try it out. You can always stop, you know? But back to the point, that's the upside-down, unreal comedy that the Bible presents, is you kill all of that, you kill your identity, whatever you think you are and think you want to be, crucify it. It says sacrifice. So sacrifice everything you are, but sacrifice it to who or to what? Well, you get to choose that. The Bible recommends you sacrifice it to God. And then here, here comes the comedy. You ready? He who tries to save his life from the great sacrifice shall lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall gain it. <laughs> right? so, so, so there's the comedy, right? Life's a tragedy. Your identity, everything you are, is going to end, and no one's ever going to remember it ever again. The Bible says, no, it's a comedy. You give it all up to God, and it will be remembered and experienced forever because you'll be remembered, and you will experience God face-to-face -face forever, and he'll experience you face-to-face -face forever. And that's the comedy. And so if the identity I, I described earlier... The summation of everything you are, the creativity, the thoughts, the, the actions, the relationships, the everything you are, if that's your true identity, we can sum that up with Latin words, imago Dei, the image of God, because God's creative. God is logical. God is the summation of his words and his actions and everything he does and makes. And if we take a similar identity, what we're saying is we're made in God's image. And that's the beautiful, simple way to sum up that complex, complex idea that I really didn't even unpack fully and probably can't unpack fully. Definitely not in the rest of this episode. We're basically out of time. Imago Dei ends when you end. For the Christian, Imago Dei ends when you accept Christ. But you pick up a new identity, which is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't do away with everything you were before. It redeems it. It restores it. It makes it new. And it does mean that old desires have to stay old, and new desires have to be acquired and learned and experienced. It gives you the strength, and, and, and bear with me on this, because this is a complicated topic that I really don't even know and haven't fully fleshed out, but it gives you the strength to live humbly 
in your true identity. And humility is probably something we need to spend an episode on because I, man, I don't even know what it means to be humble. I mean, in, in a grand sense, it's a proper, properly orienting yourself in the world and, and properly orienting yourself as how God sees you. But what does that actually mean, right? Like, how do you actually do it? That's, it's because it's not just not thinking of yourself. Like, it is thinking of yourself. A humble person has a good diet, exercises regularly, sleeps in a healthy way, right? Like, that's, that's humble. And pride is to think too little of yourself, right? Like, oh, I suck. I, I'm not enough. You know, the world would be better off without me. That's pride. Just as much as it is pride to say, I'm the best. No one talks like Gaston. No one walks like Gaston. In a spitting contest, you get my point, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, humility, it's like, how the heck do you do that? <laughs> you know? But, but that, that comes with the new identity. And to live out the person God made you to be I mean, we don't have to fully understand that, right? To live it out humbly, you don't have to fully understand why God made you the way you are. You're weird. You're unique. It's okay. I am too. <laughs> like, like really, right? Like we're all weird, but that's how God made us. And if you can live that out humbly, I don't know. People might just look at you and see Jesus. And if you ever experience that, there's no relationship that feels better than the relationship where you walk with Jesus so much that people mistake you for him where they experience love and grace and kindness out of you that can only be experienced through the Holy Spirit indwelling you. I don't think you're giving up much if you give up everything, especially not in comparison to what you gain. But I don't know. Those are my thoughts. As always, let me know what you think. Let's continue the conversation. Thank you so much to those of you that have. Thank you so, so much to those of you that have been sharing the podcast with uh, friends, family, coworkers. Please continue to do so. Uh, Please subscribe if you haven't. We are in a new year and got a whole bunch of new episodes coming your way. And as always, thank you so much for listening and I hope you've enjoyed the show.